You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect diaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Balkan Bread podcast. My name's Amina, and thank you guys so much for being here. We've had some really amazing stories and just amazing people on this podcast, so super excited to continue rolling out episodes for you guys. And if you are new here, Balkan Bread is a clothing line dedicated to preserving the diaspora stories. So we do sell clothes, but we also have this podcast. We're actually going to start a YouTube channel soon and just have all these different mediums and different ways of telling stories. So for today's episode, I have my friend Kenan Mukanovic, and Kenan has a really interesting story. So I'm going to hand it over to him and let him kind of talk a little bit more about himself. Uh, thank you, Amina, for having me. It's really a privilege and honor. I'm so grateful. My name is Kenan Mukanovic. Um, some people call me Kenan. I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. Um, but I'm a 22-year-old entrepreneur, serial entrepreneur, author, philanthropist, speaker. Do a lot of things as, as far as it's concerned, as far as building brands, uh, businesses, growing, scaling, um, deal with investments, and as well as uh, real estate as well. Um, my parents came here to around 94, 95. Uh, they came here with nothing but the clothes on their backs and a grocery bag. Most people, most, most of our parents have came that same route as well. Um, I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I was born and raised here. So thankful for um, all the things and opportunities I've got to do here. But um, I grew up in poverty for the most part, taught myself how to read, write, and speak the English language because uh, I grew up in a very, very uh, rural uh, area where uh, they didn't have an ESL program offered at the time. So I had to learn how to speak and write on my own just from reading books, watching my classmates, talk to one another and that kind of thing. So uh, in picking up the language, watching movies as well, and then practicing with my classmates, the things I've learned that way. But um, that's pretty much a a gist of who I am as a person. So, yeah, I remember being put in, I think, ESL just for kindergarten though. Um, but it was just interesting, like having that. And it's like, you're the only, like, at least in my school is the only Bosnian kid. And it's just like all these Hispanic kids. And I was really confused <laughs> as to why I was there. Cause like Bosnian was my first language. I spoke it at home, especially at the time my grandparents lived with us. So that was kind of the first thing, but I was still learning English and just like watching TV shows and I had some American friends in our neighborhood. I had other friends who were also like first generation just from different countries, but I do remember that. So it's funny how we all have, cause I can hear like your Kentucky accent. And I know sometimes when I talk, like you'll hear like the Georgia accent. And then it's funny when we speak in our language too. Um, just interesting to see like how, where we are now and where we grew up, it's affected us. But at the same time, we have this connection back home. So 
despite all of that that you had to go through and just, you know, obviously learning English and all those different kind of struggles that most people go through when they come here, you've accomplished quite a few things um, since then. So one of those things and one of the first things that I watched that you did, which I thought was pretty cool, um, you actually gave a TED Talk in Paris last year, which is insane. Um, I've always wanted to give a TED Talk. I think that's like the coolest thing ever. So was speaking, like motivational speaking, something that you, I guess, always felt comfortable doing or you knew that you wanted to do or how exactly did that happen? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, thank you for asking that. I mean, I, I get asked that all the time now <laughs> is, uh, you know, my journey of, as far as who I am and who, who I've become. Um, speaking has been always a big part of my life, uh, something I've been doing since six or seven years old. Uh, my first performance was for um, our local Jamia. Uh, it was held at Capital Arts here in Bowling Green, and um, filled the whole. We, we filled the whole auditorium, and um, I was going on seven years old, having to perform um, a full three-page speech in Bosnian, and um, and uh, it and learning how to watching. Um, watching different speakers and how they, how they performed, I picked up a little, a few little tricks and that kind of thing to enhance my speaking, um, in front of people. And that just happened to be my first speech. And I've, I've always been known for that here locally, but by, by the Boston communities, what ever since I was young doing that and, um, bringing tears, of, tears of joy to mothers here. And, and when I spoke and just having people have a connection, uh, with people, through my speaking and uh, people relate to it. And, um, and I just love to be, be organic and give people the truth and that kind of thing. So, um, see, I've been doing that since I was six or seven years old. Um, it just so happened that that, that was one of the things I've always wanted to do, um, is just be a public speaker and go out and motivate, inspire people. Uh, but the problem is when you're young, people have a hard time taking you seriously, of course, you know? Um, so, what I ended up doing is, you know, this whole thing is, it, it was a big journey for me. Um, having nothing, growing up with nothing, having to adapt and learn on my own, a lot of things that, you know, my parents couldn't teach me and, and um, having to adjust and always, always shoot for the moon, as they would say, you know, um, when I was, when I was younger, I pointed at the TV and I told my dad, you know, it was Barack Obama's 08 campaign whenever he was talking about hope and change. Mm -hmm. and I looked at my dad and I said, that's going to be me one day. And so it, it's just been a big dream of mine. And so a lot of people don't know this about me is growing up. I didn't have much. Um, I've, I've always kind of struggled to fit in as they would say and get friends and that kind of stuff. Um, I was kind of viewed as an outcast too. Um, just not, not being able to fit in like a, like a good puzzle. But, um, with that being said, you know, around 16 years old is when things started to change in my life. Um, I was depressed, you know, right around, you know, 14, 15 years old, you know, I grew up in poverty and, um, you know, my parents, my dad, my parents both worked two jobs each to support me as a kid and, um, bouncing from apartment to apartment, you know, just in, in hopes to give me a better life. And so I'll never forget that is all the things they've been, it, that's where my work ethic comes from. It's just for my parents, the way they hustled and busted their ass for me is, is the same thing I'm doing to this day and, and hopefully return the favor one day. 
And um, with our house, the story is, um, you know, when, we were, when I was right around eight years old, we built, um, my dad drove me out to this piece of land and was like, son, this is where we're going to build our house. And so we, I helped my father build our house from ground up. I was part of all the process, the whole process, um, laying brick, tile, hardwood floors, uh, laying two by fours, that kind of stuff, uh, digging cement, concrete, mixing, all that stuff when I was eight years old and um, just really learned the meaning of true hard work. And um, knowing how, how my dad turned his dream into a reality kind of inspired me. And so, um, and so what, what that, that kind of built a character sense in myself, but at the same time to help out with the payments of this house, you know, whenever you get a house, you got electric bills, all this stuff, mortgage, you got to pay for it. Um, with my parents, little income, you know, that it was going to be a challenge. And so my dad picked up on the side working on cars and repairing cars for a living. And so I would help him every day when I got home from school, I would help him all the way till 9.30, 10 o'clock at night sometimes, just repairing cars. And, you know, for 10, year, 10, 10 straight years, I was doing that. And I just, I just felt an immense deep of depression because, you know, I was doing this every single day. I didn't get to hang out with friends. I didn't get to do all the stuff that other kids got to do. I was too busy working. And I've always wanted to have that deep desire and passion of wanting, to, wanting better for myself. And so at 16, I started to reflect on, on my life and the journey my parents made, you know, and like our, most of our parents come here as refugees with nothing and how the community here in Bowling Green has helped them um, and our people, of course, and accepting them with open arms, providing jobs and that kind of stuff and how nobody's repaid that. And so I thought, you know, it would be cool to start up a nonprofit Young Visionaries Foundation and with all the success and stuff, I've started being reached out to for speaking opportunities to speak at schools, universities, colleges, all across the world. You know, I was going to Miami, Florida to give a speech at one school. And then, you know, and as a junior and, and senior in high school, I was doing this stuff. So I was traveling a lot, um, going speaking the place to place as because people wanted to hear my story of how I how I built what I've what I've built. And um, that's when I realized that all the things I was doing was helping towards that dream of uh, being able to speak in front of people and, and to motivate them, inspire them to be a better version of themselves. And so with the Ted talk, you know, it, it just happened right around time. Um, the release of voices of Bowling Green, my book um, hitting, hitting number two on the bestseller charts and um being sought out by different universities to place bulk orders and an exchange and I would come out and give, give a talk to students and that kind of stuff. So people were really inspired about all the stuff that was going on with my life and just wanted to hear the story. And it caught word out in Paris where they reached out to my manager, Zach. Um, and we're like, they're like, Hey, <laughs> we are really inspired by all your work here in Paris at, at the Leonardo da Vinci university. And we want you to, we were wondering if you would be available to give a speech here for us. I was like, yeah, of course. And they're like, well, we're hosting the Ted talk here. So would you, would you be interested in that? And then long story short, you know, over a few call, phone calls, um, it, it happened. That's, that's awesome. And I mean, there's a lot that goes into that too. It's like, okay, I want to start a nonprofit and then I want to write a book 
and then I want to go, you know, give this really big speech. And it's like doing all of this before you're even like 25 years old. Like that's huge accomplishment. It's like thinking about what people who are, I don't know, in their thirties or forties now, like wishing what they could have done. I think it's, it's not too late to get started. Like I recorded a podcast earlier this week with my friend Indira and she's over 50, but she was like, I'm just going to start my business. I don't care. She sells wine. The wine is great. I mean, literally I hate when people are like, Oh, I can't do that because I'm too old now or, Oh, I'm too young. Like people aren't going to take me seriously. I feel like no matter what age you are, there's going to be like some kind of, I don't know, issue or stereotype or something like that. So why, why should it even matter? Um, so cool. So that was a thing where they found you, they reached out to you and personally invited you. Is there like, cause I'm not familiar with it. Is there an application process for that? Like if someone wanted to do that, is that something you would apply for or would you have to be like called to do it? Yeah. So usually you can register with the, um, with the TED, um, TED organization and is something that I did two years ago, but I never really had any success <laughs> with it. Yeah. You know, I was, I was just kind of, it was just kind of one of those things where I wanted that to happen, but you know, there's millions of people wanting to do a Ted talk and filling out these applications and to get chosen to be one out of a million out of millions is, is tough because they have to go through all of it. And how are you going to differentiate yourself from the rest of them? And so it was just kind of one of those doubt things, but I'd never really put focus on it. And I just kind of put focus onto the craft of, of my businesses and that kind of thing and scaling them, growing them on social media and um, doing, focusing on my actions, um, which led to opportunities. Definitely. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes to show it's, it's almost like a domino effect. Like as soon as you start doing one thing, that's like closer to your purpose and what you want to do, or maybe you don't even know, let's say, but you're at least trying something and seeing like, if that's, you know, something that could get you to this point, to this point, to that point. Cause I think a lot with Balkan bread, I learned so much just from previous jobs that I had. And I literally put it all into this. So it's like, as far as like time management and kind of getting people, you know, to interact with each other and be comfortable with one another. So in college, I wrote all these articles for Odyssey, which was this like website. It was like a big deal on Facebook. And so there would just be like silly little listicles. And yeah, so I did that. Um, Our community, I went to Kennesaw State. And so we ended up becoming like the top community and I was managing like over 50 women like writing all these cool articles and stuff right so I have that and then I worked in retail like all throughout college so customer service like expert galore like literally everything I have seen it happen in the retail setting so that helped me with my business it's like oh yeah well that's how I handle this situation or this is what I'm supposed to do so I think for anyone listening like if you're not sure just take one like interest and just try it like if it if it you know, flops. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't really matter. Like there's always going to be something else, which kind of sounds like what you did. And I think when you try all these different things, you'll have like this voice in the back of your head, or you'll have people going after you saying like, you know, that's too crazy. You shouldn't do that. So 
when you first started the nonprofit, you said you were what, like 16, 17 years old? 16, yeah, yeah, 16 years old. And so you said that you made the mistake of telling everybody about it. And they all said like, you're too young, you're crazy. Like you need to just do what everyone else is doing. Like go to school, go to college, like, which obviously you did, but um, how do you, like, what would you say, is it best to not tell anybody when you have an idea for something, or is there a way to, like, present it to someone and just kind of be prepared for people to say those kinds of comments and reactions? That's a great question. Um, the thing is, no matter what you do, as crazy as it sounds, no matter what you do, you're always, you're always going to have somebody who has a negative opinion about it or does it and it, it's it can come off as jealousy or you know just criticism judgment whatever it may be and you know I've dealt with a lot of it you know you would think that starting a nonprofit or or starting a positive movement or something would it's something that everybody can get behind but the matter of fact was for me you know that's what I thought but I noticed that that wasn't true you know that what happened was people were, were criticizing me as a crazy as sounds for starting a nonprofit and saying, Oh, this kid doesn't know what he's doing. Or, you know, this kid's out here, you know, just, just looking stupid, you know, like, <laughs> um, I've heard it all, you know, and it never really phased me. Um, but the thing is, it's more of people don't see your vision. And so just because they can't see what you see in your head, uh, they, they feel obligated to give an opinion about something or, you know, just because they, they're, they're sticking with the norm and you're not, mm -hmm. they're going to criticize you for it and judge you for it. Um, and as far as naysayers goes, I've, I've never really listened to them as, as obviously as you can see, I just really, really put my head down focused and did not go to parties, did not socialize, did not have friends for five straight years. I was on full grind mode and, um, and just basically worked on my craft, work on, worked on myself, built, built a nonprofit, wrote a book, started businesses, grew businesses, that kind of thing. So just picking up on all this stuff, no matter what you do, you're always going to have haters, you know, and a lot of times, and that the reason why I say you shouldn't listen to them or you shouldn't even tell anybody about your idea. The main, the main reason is because you are not confident in yourself and your dream and your idea. So you want to seek approval from other people to comfort your insecurities. I think that's what the truth of the matter is. I think at the end of the day, that's what, that's what it really boils down to is that people are insecure. Um, they don't feel that they don't have confidence in themselves of, of their abilities to do something or to go out and pursue that idea or that crazy dream that everybody says that it's not possible, you know? And that's what my biggest advice uh, on that, on that point is to focus on yourself, be confident. It's better to go out and do something and fail at it than not do it at all. And reach reach 80 years old or 90 or however long you're going to live, you know, for, they're saying we're going to live to 130 our generation, but um, however long you're gonna, going to live and come down to your deathbed and look back and be like, damn, I wish I would have, I wish I would have done that. You know, you have one life. That's what it comes down to is you have one life. Don't blow it and give it everything you got. I live every single day with the mentality that today will be my last day. I wake up in the morning. I'm grateful for the two feet I woke up on. 
And I've realized that I only have today to make it happen. And that's it. Like tomorrow's not promised. And people out here, you know, are living life as if, as if they're going to live forever. And that's not true. You know, nobody's going to live forever. We're all going to die one day, but what are you going to leave behind? What legacy will you have? Whenever you die, what will, what will remain is, um, is what people should focus on, you know, your legacy. And sometimes it's hard, even when you are so confident in your idea and you've really sat down and thought about it and talked to people who are already doing what you see yourself doing and you're like, okay, this is it. Like, this is my thing. This is what I want to do. And even sometimes when you do that, you'll share it with people and people still aren't going to get it. They're going to be like, no, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Oh, well, because the thing though, is like what you're saying about, being confident in yourself and not seeking approval. It's important because I think people are always going to have their own opinions and base it off of whatever experiences they've gone through. And a lot of times if people are making jabs at you or saying negative things, it's, it's nothing to do with you. It's probably just something that they're going through a lot of the time. And, you know, you have to believe in it. If you don't, there was this acronym, I think I forgot all of it, to be honest, but um, in my entrepreneurship class, we had the better acronym. I don't know what it comes from or probably know. So like belief is like the first letter. So you have to believe in your idea and yourself, even when sometimes you feel uncomfortable and you don't feel confident in it. You just kind of have to like embrace it and just kind of go with it. And I don't want to say like fake it till you make it, but you have to just be like, I don't know. You just have to like sit down and be like, okay, it's what I'm doing. I don't care what anyone says and just kind of go with it and see what happens. Um, But what you're saying about really making the most of every day, I think sometimes it's hard for people to realize that because sometimes it just takes one like life altering experience for you to be like, oh crap, like life, like this isn't really going to last forever, you know, like I need to do something. And I think it just takes a special kind of person like to do that and special kind of people. And that's why we have all these, you know, amazing just people in the diaspora that are doing things every single person like if I were to just go through my phone and like go through previous like people that we've had on the podcast or people that I've met every single one of them that's like gone and done something incredible has gone through something you know really like life altering or life changing and it doesn't necessarily have to be related to just the struggle of coming here and you know, going through the whole, you know, being Americanized and all that kind of stuff, like it could be something totally different, but they still make a name for themselves, which I think is crazy. Yeah. And, and to add on to that, if I can, um, you know, people always talk about ideas and that's the thing is 90, 90% of the people out there, everybody's got an idea, but you know, the more people you tell about it and talk about it with the more that energy just drains out of you because you keep getting all these criticisms for it and you end up not doing it. And I'm always about, you know, execution is the game. Um, actions speak louder than words. And if you want, if you truly believe in your idea and you want that to happen in your dream, you want to turn that into reality, then you have to put action behind it and grind, grind, grind until you see the results and the results will come, you know, with patience, as long as you're patient and consistent, anything's possible. Definitely. And sometimes it's just a matter of 
deciding, okay, am I going to watch Netflix tonight or am I going to spend some time figuring out how to make this thing happen, like for my business and for myself. And so that's something I didn't really realize I was doing. I guess that like probably last semester of college is when I really got this idea. Like originally I wanted to what did I say? I did an entire project on it. I didn't even like end up going through with the business, but basically I wanted to do, I think it was like this, like motivational, like coaching or something for female entrepreneurs. And no, seriously, it was really funny. I gave my presentation, like my pitch, we had to do basically like a shark tank, like scenario for a final grade. Everyone's terrified in the class because obviously like we literally, I signed up for it. Cause I was like, Oh, this is going to be an easy elective. Like, I'm about to graduate, like, you know, this is going to be great. I had no clue, like, anything about starting a business, none of that. And a lot of my classmates were the same, right? So I think a couple of us, there were, like, two people, I think, that already had businesses in the class, and they were, like, really excited, you know, learn more, whatever. But for the most part, we were all just kind of like, oh, my God, what can I come up with that's going to get me, like, a good grade kind of thing? And so my pitch was talking about that, but I used the same principle kind of that Vulcan Bride is built on, which is weird. Like I, I brought my, um, so my dad and my mom, they wrote letters during the war. So I brought the letter and I used it in my pitch. And I was like, hey, you know, this is the reason that I'm like standing in front of you. And that really got like their attention. And they're like, oh, okay, like who is this girl? What, what is she trying to say? And so literally like that very same letter, I used it again when I presented like the diaspora conference and like that was my thing. And so it was weird because I never went through with that business, but just from trying and like putting in the extra time, I was like, oh, hey, this is actually what I need to do. Like, this is my thing, you know? So it's just interesting, but a lot of it is just putting in extra work. And I was like, I don't know how to print clothes, you know? Okay, we're just gonna like Google it. I don't know, Google was like my best friend and then finding people that were already doing it. I was like, hey, can I just like pick your brain and like figure this stuff out? Because this is what I wanna do. And most of the time I've found that people will wanna help you. And if they don't wanna help you, then screw them. There's someone yeah. else. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, so you talked a little bit more about Bowling Green, which I've, you're like the third person from Bowling Green that's on this podcast, so hello. Um, can you talk- Bowling Green represent. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of y'all. Um, talking about the community there and just how that inspired your book. Oh, yeah. Bowling Green is my city, and I, and I wear that like a jersey. Um, you know, that's, I, I love Bowling Green. Um, so many memories, so many great people I met here. And what's really nice about Bowling Green, it's, you know, how they say it, like a melting pot, you know, mm-hmm. um, just dip, it's just so diverse. There's so many different people from all different backgrounds. You know, we have Bosnians here, of course, um, Hispanic, Latinos, Burmese, Pakistani, Pakistanis, Indians, you know, um, we have people from all across the globe here. And um, it's pretty, it's pretty neat to see everybody everybody's pretty accepting here too. So, and, it, and you know, the locals here in our, in our community really embrace diversity and, you know, it's, it's pretty cool cause they, cause they like to support each other and, and always are curious about who, who are, who are Bosnians and um, the story and that kind of stuff. And they're pretty fascinated too, because we have a lot of successful people from Bowling Green, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs here who've 
who come from Bosnia started up a trucking company logistics, um, just a widespread of different talents and um, skills. And, and it's pretty unique for them to see how, how the Bosnians can come from nothing, you know, escape war and come to this country, the land of opportunity and make the most of it and go on and do all these great things. And I, that's, and as far as the book's concerned, Voices of Bowling Green, that was written uh, to inspire people of all ages that no matter where you come from, who you are, you can go on and achieve your dreams. And But at the same time, I was incorporating a case, a, a basically exemplary case study throughout this book of interviews from kids who started first grade all the way up to seniors in high schools and freshmen in college. And I would, and what's pretty unique is I knew going into this, um, into the book when I was doing all this, um, all this work for it, that that was going to be the, the, that what the outcome was going to be. But most, most people, it's a shock to them, but I, and it's, what's really cool is um, what I'm going to talk, what I'm talking about is that whenever we're young. So when I talk with these first graders, second graders, third graders, um, what's pretty unique and we can reflect on it with our own lives is that you are ambitious as a child and have all these high aspirations and dreams that you want to, that you want to do all these great things. Right. But as we age, um, the older we get, those tend to fade and we settle for less than we, what we originally planned to. And so what I mean by that is someone can have high aspirations of, you know, I want to be a singer, right? Well, years down the road, they settle and they're working an office job, nine to five that they hate going to, and they're going to work that same job for 40 years straight and look back and say, holy shit, I just spent, I just wasted half of my life doing what I did not want to do. And so the whole message behind it was, and I kind of use the things, the principles that I've learned as an entrepreneur and um, of how one can break those chains of the norm and live life on your own terms. And so the whole idea was to use Bowling Green as my city as an example for that and um, to show showcase that everybody's got a dream. And it's our purpose. We're put on this earth to chase, to fulfill that purpose in a way. So that's what, that's what that was kind of, and I've, and I've used the original plan was to, uh, people don't know this for the cover work of the book was to have, um, I have a picture of my younger self at Fountain Square Park, which is a, a big tourist attraction in the city of Bollinger. It's kind of like the, the capital of the city. And, um, and there's like arches on both sides of this fountain. And on one arch, I was, I had a, a picture of my younger self with the backpack on, um, staring out onwards. Right. And then on the other side of the arch was supposed to be, um, my 18 year old self at the time at the outcome, you know, that you start on one end and fulfill out, come out the other. And, um, and so yeah, I, I thought that was pretty, that I kind of wanted that to happen just so people could see it. But there are some issues as far as um, getting all that image to be scanned in properly and clear it up. So there's some problems with that. And that's why we kind of just settled for the second arch. 
on that end. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's really, I love, I think that's really powerful and definitely like the quality of older images can be kind of hard to um, work around, but I've always wanted to just recreate all these like old pictures. Like I found, we have so many old photos from my parents used to live in Seattle when they first came here. And so there's all these pictures of them, like some by themselves, some together. And I'm thinking, okay, how cool would it be to just go back there and like recreate this photo? Cause a lot of them on the back, it has like where it was taken. Like there's one of my mom just like in a grocery store, like a shopping cart. I'm like, this would be so cool. And we find this grocery store. Like <laughs> I even found where they used to live, like the apartment complex and everything. I'm like, how cool would it be to go there one day and just to kind of see like, I don't know, it's good to reflect back on your journey and just where you are today. Just all those different things and all those different like places that you've been, or even if you're in the same spot, just how much everything has changed like since you were a kid. So, and I, I did want to be a singer when I was younger, but that definitely is not, <laughs> was not in the, that's actually one question they, they did ask us that in my class. They were like, okay, we'd have to go up every single day in front of the class and answer a question like on the spot. And like, none of us knew each other. So we're like, what is this? But anyway, we got used to it. And one of the questions was, what did you want to be like when you were younger? Just like had to say the first thing that came to mind. And I was like, a singer. I mean, I wasn't going to lie. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah. now? I'm like, absolutely not. So anyway, but I think there's always like that, dream and that kind of spark that you have and you kind of have to take that and be like how can I put this you know how can I integrate this into my life now so you never have to feel like you can settle of course there's all kinds of circumstances and don't do it just because you you know want to have like a quick like make money scheme like that's not really what this is you know at the end of the day like yes you will make money and you will be successful but that shouldn't be your number one notion for you know starting your own business or whatever it might be like you're just it's never gonna work um, oh <laughs> yeah in my opinion I, I just no and, and that's something that's something i've been preaching for years is that you know everyone's so caught up in chasing money that and oh there's a wise man that told me um, years ago and was like, Keenan, um, you want to make a lot of money one day, right? Just like everybody else. And I said, I mean, it would be nice to have money. He said, well, good. Don't chase it. He's like, if you chase money, you'll never find it. Yeah. And it's true. And, and the reason, you know, you look at great athletes like, uh, LeBron James or, you know, successful singers too, Beyonce or whether it's Jay-Z. Um, you look at their stories and it's another thing that this book highlights that I wrote is that, you know, everybody has struggles in their life. Everybody struggles. Everybody goes through obstacles. Um, whether we share those, we, whether we have similarities or they're different and that kind of thing, that's the whole purpose of sharing our stories, right? Mm -hmm. But they never chased money they were focused on their dream at hand that you chase the dream and the money comes however if you chase the money you're just running an endless race that you'll never because there's never going to be enough money mm -hmm. and everybody gets so caught up in that and that's why you see 99 percent of people fail but that one percent succeed and it's because they did what the 99 percent won't 
which is put up with the bullshit and like work hours and days and continue on um, until their dream or until their dream is a reality. They don't care about the money aspect of it. You know, a dream is you're, you're supposed to give your life to it, you know, put 10 years into it and you don't see a penny out of it. You and, but you still gain a lot of experience. You get to do what you love and you're happy, which is, which is the most important thing. People confuse, you know, confuse the goal in life. They think it's to make a lot of money or to have a Louis Vuitton purse or drive a Rolls Royce or live in a four story house. That, that's not the goal. The goal is to be happy. And I'm writing, I'm at the moment writing two more books. One of them is called Life Equals Perspective. And so um, what that is, is that life is all about how you view it. And oftentimes we, we get caught up in what we don't have um, over what we do have. And we're not grateful. We always want these materialistic things. But the thing is, you can't take it with you to the grave. When you die, that Louis Vuitton purse is going to be parted out or sold to somebody else or given to somebody else to enjoy your cars, your houses, all that is going to, is just not going to be yours anymore. It's going to be somebody else's to, for the, for them to enjoy and be, put good use out of. And the only thing that remains is your tombstone and your legacy. And so that's, that's what I'm a firm believer of is just you. The goal in life is, should, is always to be happy. Yeah, I would rather make less money and be doing something that's more meaningful and something that I know I'm impacting people's lives versus doing something that I hate or that I know just like, I don't, it doesn't bring me joy. It doesn't do anything for me and make a ton of money because you're still going to be unhappy at the end of the day. I don't know. And sometimes people, at least for us, you're talking about all these different material items, things like that, which I totally agree with you. And maybe the reason some people, at least like, cause I know, I know there's some Bosnians and just other Balkan people in general, like, you know, we like to show off and we like to buy these nice things and whatever, things like that. I think that is something more that can be deeply rooted to it's like, you know, you didn't have anything, you lost everything. So this is kind of their way of showing like, Hey, I made it, which I'm not saying it's the right thing to do, but I'm just saying like, that's probably like some of has something to do with it, you know, with having this nice car, having this nice thing, whatever. There's nothing wrong with like having nice things, but that's not what you should at the end of the day. Like, like you're saying, it really doesn't matter. Like that's great that you have it, but like, it's not going to last forever. You know, you have to, you have to kind of like almost shift your mindset and how you think about life almost, I guess, to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. There's, yeah. And to your point, there's, there's nothing wrong with buying a Louis Vuitton purse. If you make, you know, if you make the money. Um, But the problem is most of, most of um, our generation or, you know, people just in general, um, what they do is they live with the mindset of keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, Amy just bought a Range Rover, so I'm going to buy the next model of the Range Rover, you know? Or, oh, Melissa just got these two purses. I'm going to, it's just like a constant competition, and people are wasting their time on pleasing pe- people who don't care about them in the first place. Right. And, um, and that's, that's where it becomes problematic is people are buying materialistic items to satisfy their short term happiness of being able to stick it to somebody, you know, and 
when you do that, you're really not happy yourself. You're just insecure. You buy those things to, to cover up your depression or that you're suffering on the inside and that you're not happy because you know, it's kind of like a kid with a new toy. You buy a new toy and you're happy the first two or three days, but then you throw it back in the closet. And so, (laughs) and when it comes to like these high value items that we talk about, you know, there's people out there who are, you know, making $75,000 a year, but they're portraying the lifestyle as if they're making half a million dollars or a million plus. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem is not living by your own means. And you just get trapped into this cycle of constantly having to maintain that image, you know, maintain that status. Oh yeah, I got it. You don't, you know, like, and it's, and it's a pretty messed up mentality to have. I think it's, it's more of people just have a mental problem or like mental issue in regards to that end is you do, you have to figure out who you are being self-awareness. And we talk about that a lot um, through, the, through the talks I've, I've given is self-awareness is so huge. It's so huge. Figuring out who you are as a person and what you love, what you don't like, and that kind of stuff. Things that make you happy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who you are, right? Take, take away all the items and materialistic things. Who are you? You know, And that's what I, really, I, I believe it comes down to is being happy with who you are and being grateful. It's all so true, though. It really is. And at the end of the day, everything that you do is just, it's just about finding like, what makes you happy? What do you want to do? And just kind of learning from each experience. I mean, that's really what entrepreneurship is all about. And any kind of, you know, if you're on this journey of self-discovery and figuring out, you know, all these things, like, what's your purpose? What do you want to do? And one thing to note is that it's important, like, it's okay if you don't know, like that's completely fine. Like just kind of oh, yes. trying and keep going with it. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm all about that. It's like, I've always get, I always get the questions in my DMS and, and I, I get people asking me, it's just, how do I figure out that one thing for me? You know? And my answer is you just have to taste more, go out and life is, it, I view life as a long, endless table of dishes to try. And you never know what you like until you try it. So who knows, you could actually like skiing and you don't even know. And, and then you pick it up, you, you put on the skis and you start skiing. You're like, I love the adrenaline rush. I love this. I love that. And then it becomes your new thing. Right. And it, it's all about just trying new things and tasting what life has to offer. Absolutely. So you mentioned you're working on writing two new books and is there anything else um, that we should be watching out for anything else that you're working on yeah so um there's a lot of things in the works at the moment <laughs> uh, i'm i'm running one of my businesses is uh, visionary media it's a multimedia company we work with global brands like dairy queen and axe and that kind of thing dunkin donuts we worked with them um we basically run social media campaigns and that kind of stuff. So I've decided with, I'm pretty sure everybody's heard about it. TikTok, TikTok's the big to- topic of discussion. I mean, <laughs> go, go ahead, drop, drop the handle, drop the handle for everybody. <laughs> Let everybody know to follow. We have one video. TikTok is the, is the, is the new wave. I'm, you, you're hearing it everywhere. Um, so what we decided to do as a media company, I've decided to create a agency, um, called one nation, one nation group. 
and we manage influencers, that kind of stuff, um, musicians, artists, athletes. We're a talent management agency, uh, but I've been pushing hard on the TikTok platform, getting different TikTok influencers to um, be signed to our agency. And so we, we have a couple influencers who have done commercials for Samsung. Um, you know, their following base, you know, is just you know, outrageous. Um, one of them is my brother, of course, his name's Do- uh, Amar, Amar Mujkanovic, but um, his handle is I'm Dopemar. Um, his buddy, uh, Umar, he's, he's Turkish, and um, they've both built up bases over half, like over half a million to a million followers. Um, and just kind of building up what, what they have and that kind of stuff, being their kind of mentor is pretty fun to me. I just love mentoring youth and being, being around them and just learning what's on the new, what's, what's the new kick. Right. Um, so that's what I've been pushing right now. Um, as well as I'm preparing for law school at the moment. So, um, <laughs> I'm going I to, laugh. I'm just like, okay, what else is he going to say? I'm a rocket scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm preparing for that. I got accepted into UK, UofL, um, NKU. So I've, I've decided to go UofL. That, of course, as um, I was going to plan to announce to my followers this week. So I'll be, I'll be posting that soon. And then um, I just recently, the other day, got, um, got a buddy who's worth the Harvard Kennedy School. And um, they reached out. So I'll be doing some kind of research with um, Harvard Kennedy School Public Policy that kind of stuff. And then um, one of my long-term projects that I'm working on is in real estate is a 20 acre lot. I'm trying to turn into 22 or 23 fourplex apartments. So a lot of it, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things happening. Um, just really excited. Um, but I'm really thankful for it all, all the experiences, all the people I've met. It's, it's really a blessing, you know, get to know people who they are and the person you're having a conversation with could be your next business partner, you know? So, and that's, that's what happened in my case a lot. You know, I have a buddy who I've met over a year ago. Um, we got to be close friends and then he approached me with the business idea and I'm going to be a partner with his business here in a few days. So it's, it's just crazy. Um, and it's always good to be positive and, always have a level of understanding with people, you know, understand that everybody goes through things and, and we're all, uh, we should all stick together as one and, and unite and, you know, see what we can do together, you know, we'll see what we can accomplish. Yeah. And I think putting it in the context of just the diaspora in general, it's like, think about how much we could all do together. Like if we just supported one another, cause I know sometimes there's, I don't know, just competition or rifts among different groups of people or whatever. But it's like at the end of the day, I feel like none of that even matters. And I'm like, okay, we all have this one thing that kind of holds us together. So why aren't we supporting each other more and doing more? Exactly. Like it just, I don't know. Maybe that's just my way of thinking and the type of person that I am. I'm like, I don't understand like why we aren't helping each other out. And to your point about connecting with more people and just, you know, trying to get to know people and things like that. One thing, um, I think we may have talked about, I don't know where I heard this or learned this. I don't remember, but basically it's like, if someone were to come up to me, I don't know who they are. And they're just like, I don't know, they're drawing something like they're working on art or whatever. 
and I don't know this person, I know nothing about them, but I see their art and I'm like, hey, you know, your art is really good. Like that is really cool that you're doing that. And that person may have never had anybody say that to them. Like, let's just put it that way. Like you don't know, you never know what impact you're gonna have on somebody's life. And there's this quote that's like, your room, your room, wow. Your voice is in rooms that you haven't even entered yet. And like, that's so true. It's like, you don't even know what people are saying, you know, hopefully they're saying good things, but it's like, you don't know what kind of impact you'll have on someone. Like you never know what one other person is going through that you're talking to. So that's why I think- exactly having an open mind and getting to know people better, like you'll start to realize like how similar we all are, even though we have all these, you know, other things going on in our lives. It's, it's just the coolest thing. I don't know. What you've been saying is exactly what I've, what I've been always a big proponent on is that, you know, we can do a lot more together than we can apart. And I think that if our, if the Bosnian community um, support, support each other more we could have more political candidates i myself was in planning a senate run hopefully when i get out of law school um serve a few years um but you know we could we we could have a bigger voice you know and especially in in dc and cause change and help out our motherland and that's the Mm -hmm. that's ultimately you know provide more opportunities for more people and to get to get people to understand who we are as a people and things we've went through and for what happened in Bosnia, the genocide for it to never be forgotten and to always, you know, be remembered. Those are most of the questions. I'll put your handle since it's the same for everything in the show notes. And yeah, is there anything else you want to add for our listeners? Always, as you can see, I'm wearing my, uh, one of my favorite shirts, do something. Um, no matter it, what it is that you want to do, just do something. Um, don't be, don't be shy. Don't be afraid. You have more to lose by not doing than to do at, than to do in the first place. So, um, if you have that dream or idea, something you want to start up, pr- pursue it at all costs, give it everything you got. And I promise you things will work out in your favor uh, one way or another. Even if it fails, you will still learn. You will still have experience. You will still have a story to tell to others one day. And, um, as far as you, like, like you said, my social media is at Keenan inspires. Um, my website is Keenan And there's also Ken So either one works. Um, and if you want to keep up with my stuff, I'm usually pretty good on Instagram. I'm about to start rolling out some new stuff, new content here in a couple of weeks. Uh, we've, I've been silent on social media for about a year, two years, just taking time to, to uh, mentally get right and, uh, and prepared. So I'm ready to go unleash and go full on beast mode. So (laughs) that's awesome. Very cool. We'll definitely be on the lookout for that. Everyone listening. Um, Thank you guys for listening to this episode. If you're interested in being featured on the podcast, or if you know of somebody who would be a good guest, definitely send us an email. It's just hello at balkanbread.com. And if you're listening, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, be sure to take a screenshot and tag us so we can see your comments on the episode. So that is it. Thank you guys again for listening and we'll talk to you next week.